Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's message on the Antioch Indie Podcast. We hope you can step away from this message being encouraged and blessed and to move into your week in the mighty name of Jesus. Have a great day. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and pull out your Bible. Something to take notes with this morning. We're a note-taking church if you're new around here. Worst case scenario is you've got your notes out so you have something to keep you uh, entertained if you get bored. So I'm doing you a favor. Best case scenario, God says something you want to remember and you write it down. Anybody ever written something down in church? Can anybody smile in church today? Open up to John chapter 1. My glasses are foggy already. Still feeling new to the glasses game. So all the veterans out there, help me out. John chapter 1, open up your Bible. You are going to need your Bible today. Uh, We're going to talk about a whole lot of Bible. And uh, it's going to be easy to follow along, but I think it's going to be fun. Uh, We love our Bibles here at Antioch. We are doing a series we started last week. Anybody, can you tell me what it's called? Zoe. In the New Testament, in the original Greek, there's three different words that are translated to our one English word, life. One of them is uh, bios, talking about our biological life. The, the second word is some word I can't pronounce, but it's where we get kind of the psychological part of life. But then there's this word zoe, that in the Greek, it's, it's not a, just about biology or psychology. It's like the guts of life. It, it means being alive, eternal life, the life we all want to live on the inside. Is anybody hungry for zoe life? We're talking about this uh, word zoe, and we're talking about it out of John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. If you want to read that, uh, as I read along, it says, In him, in Jesus, was life. That word zoe. In Jesus is zoe. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Does anybody need a light in your life that the darkness does not overcome? We're thankful for Jesus. He makes it so clear, in Jesus is this life. We're talking for a few weeks, let's talk about this life. Let's talk about this man, Jesus, and the life that he promised to give. Last week we talked about the door. Jesus made this comment, I am the door, the door to Zoe. And we get to live our lives walking with Jesus, entering into the life that we are so desperate for in our hearts. Was anybody encouraged last week? That's great. You guys are doing great. We, for the new people, we believe church is a participation sport. So I'm not just up here talking. We're all in this together. Um, so turn a few pages to John chapter 6. That's where we're going to spend a lot of our time this morning. It should just be a couple pages in your Bible, a couple of flips in your phone. Did anybody see the advertisement that there's a, a new flip phone coming out? They're coming back. <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm getting old. The Razor is coming back, apparently. So, I remember the Razor when it came out. I was like, what? What is Bluetooth? <laughs> Mind-blowing. I want to preach part two to you this morning. You can write this in your notes, the bread. Last week, we talked about the door. This week, I want to talk about the bread. We're going to spend our time, like I said, in John chapter 6. We're doing a good old-fashioned Bible study this morning. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of verses. This chapter is, uh, I think, 71 verses long, and we're going to cover most of it. Amen. Some of you are like, that's more Bible than I've read in a year. That's good. You came in the right time. It's one of these mornings that I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm heading into this knowing I'm already trying to cover too much. 
There's too much to talk about, and we're just going to go for it and see what happens. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to talk, talk about it and teach it just like what it says. And uh, it says some funny stuff. It says some weird stuff. you know. But we're just going to go for it because I told some of our team a few weeks ago, my general philosophy is if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing, right? So YOLO, John 6, we're doing the whole thing. The bread is what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the bread. We could eat 71 verses of the Bible because how many of you know you've ingested plenty of other stuff this week? In the news, in your life, in your circumstances, in your emotions, in the news, in the news, in the news, we could use some bread this morning. All I need this morning is somebody who's hungry. Not somebody who needs to know all the answers, just a few people who are hungry and you know you're hungry this morning, you've eaten of other things and realized they don't satisfy, and you're hungry this morning, and you're okay with Jesus saying he is the one and only bread. Can we be hungry for Zoe? John chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 1. It says this, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. So Jesus is doing some stuff. People are uh, following him and coming to the crowds because he's healing sick people. And crowds gather when miracles happen, so that's good. Uh, verse 3, Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Aren't you thankful God is a God who will sit down with you? Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, one of his disciples, Where are we to buy bread? Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test Philip, for Jesus knew what he would do. Verse 4, Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Jesus looks up and says, where will we buy bread? I want to give you a little bit of a history this morning. If you're new to some of this stuff, it talks about the Passover, this feast of the Jews that was coming up. And uh, it, there's the Old Testament in the Bible, and there's the New Testament. And the, the main central narrative of the Old Testament is about the, the exodus from Egypt. One of the books of the Bible is called Exodus, about how the Israelites, the people of God, were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, but God comes and he rescues them and he sets them free. And the reason that this is the central narrative is because this story is, reveals to us the core of who God is. And if you look all the way back in Exodus chapter 3, the beginning of Jesus saying, it's time to step in and set my people free. He calls a man named Moses. Maybe you've heard of him if you've been in church before. But in Exodus chapter 3, verses, I think it was 6 and 7, this is what God says to Moses when he's calling his people. Do you know that's how they change him? I just point in it. Exodus 3, it says this, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen, somebody say seen. I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard, somebody say heard. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know, somebody say no. I know their sufferings. And I have come, somebody say come. I have come down to deliver them, somebody say deliver. To deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. This is who our God is. This is the revelation of God through the main narrative of the Old Testament that when his people are in bondage, when his people are enslaved, when his people are hopeless, when his people are crying out, he hears them, he sees them, 
He knows what they're going through. And he comes and he delivers. This is our God. After the Exodus, uh, if you've read the whole story, there's these things called the plagues where God terrorizes Egypt so that he'll finally, the, the king of Egypt will let go his grasp on the people of Israel so his people can be free. And they go through these 10 plagues. And then the last plague, when God knew that, his, that the king of Egypt was about to let them go, he's telling his people to prepare. They're about to run from where they've been out into a desert because that's the first place they're going to end up as they get set free is in this desert. And so God tells them, get some food ready for the journey. Pretty practical. How many of you know Jesus will sit down with you and he'll talk through the practical things in your life? Side note. And God tells his people, you need to bake some bread. You don't have time to put the leaven in it. And he talks about unleavened bread. And so from that time, every year for the next hundreds of years, and even still to this day, Jewish people, every year they celebrate the Passover. It was the, the, the end of the Exodus, the beginning of entering into the promise of God. It celebrated the Passover, God's judgment passing over his people because of his mercy. God, God passing over, God seeing and hearing and knowing and coming and delivering. And as part of this meal, they would eat some bread. They would eat bread, this unleavened bread every year. So in John chapter 6, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, is at hand. This Passover meal is coming. They would, the, the center of the, the, the dinner was bread and there was a lamb. And this Passover that we're talking about wasn't just the same old annual Passover. This was the Passover. The Passover was actually the weekend where Jesus was killed. And Jesus was raised again on the third day. And that was on purpose, how many of you know? Because Jesus said, I am the lamb. The lamb and the bread. So Jesus knows in just a few days, he's going to fulfill the Passover. He's going to be, for all of humanity, the revelation that when you are in bondage, when you can't be free, when you are crying out to God, God sees, God hears. God knows, God comes, God delivers. The Passover is coming. And Jesus looks up and he sees a crowd coming towards him. And they're hungry. He knows they're hungry for lunch. They're just hungry for some bread. But he also knows the Passover is coming. Where they celebrate and they do the Passover because they're hungry for a God who delivers. They're hungry for a God who sees. They're hungry for a God who knows. And God looks at his people knowing that what he is about to do, he's about to give himself and he sees that his people are hungry for bread. They're hungry for God and they are hungry for Zoe. And all in this one moment, it sounds just like Jesus is only talking about lunch, but when you think about it, he's saying so much more when he looks at the people and he says, where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? At times the Bible says Jesus would look at a crowd and he would have compassion like a, a shepherd seeing sheep who had no shepherd. Jesus is usually saying more than what he's just saying. How many of you know when God says something to you, he knows more of the story than you? So he says to Philip, where are we going to get bread that these people may eat? It says he said this to Philip. Jesus knew what he was about to do. I think Jesus knew he was about to feed the 5,000. That's what happens next. 
Jesus feeds the 5,000 out of five loaves and two fish. I think Jesus knew he was going to give them some bread to eat. I think Jesus knew what he was about to do on the Passover. I think that Jesus knew he was about to give himself so that we may have bread to eat. The Passover bread. Where will we get bread to eat? If you skip through uh, John chapter 6, like I said, he feeds the 5,000. The next thing he does is he walks on water for about three or four miles. No big deal. And then next we skip to verse 22. All right, skip to verse 22. Starts with this. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Okay, so the next day, they've eaten the bread and they're coming back and they realize, oh, the boat's gone. The disciples are gone. And they also realize they knew that the disciples got in the boat without Jesus, but now Jesus isn't there. And so this is just the next day. It's the same crowd. Are you following with me? It's the people who, who ate the bread. They're looking for Jesus again. And verse 25, it says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, so they know that they went to the other side of the sea, they all get in boats. They go over there. They find Jesus and the disciples. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? You know, they're like, first, real practically, like, there was only one boat. How'd you get here? And Jesus just totally skips the whole walking on water thing. He doesn't even bring it up, even though they're like, I've got a question about this, you know? I just think that's funny. That's all. Rabbi, when did you come here? So Jesus changes the subject because Jesus has something to say. Jesus sometimes wants to talk about things you don't want to talk about or you don't know to talk about. Sometimes God's not making sense to you because you're asking the wrong question. (laughs) It's not that God's not talking. He's just not talking about what you want to talk about. (laughs) But he wants to talk about what you need to talk about. And that's why we lean in. Rabbi, when did you come here? How did you cross the lake? Verse 26, Jesus answered them, we're not talking about the lake. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus kind of gets intense real quick. He just is like, hey, we're going to cut straight to the point here. You're not here because you actually want me. You're here because you ate lunch yesterday for free, and you're back because you want more free lunch. You're here because you ate the bread yesterday. But that was yesterday, it's lunchtime today, and you're hungry, and you crossed that lake because you thought Jesus gives free lunch. How many of you know if we catered at church, more people would show up? (laughs) You're not looking for me because of miracles. You're not looking for me because of what you think you need. You're just looking for me because you're hungry. Jesus again. Looking at the practical, looking at the heart. Where will we buy bread? These people need lunch. He says these people are hungry for lunch, but he knows they're hungry for so much more. And then he says this, do not work, underline that word work. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. This is like really catching people off guard, right? They're coming because they're like, hey, can you give us free lunch again? And he's like, do not work for food that perishes. Like, whoa, bro. Like, we're just talking about lunch. And he gets all like real deep, real quick. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Jesus has an agenda. He doesn't want to just talk about lunch. He proved yesterday, we'll talk about lunch, but we're not just here for lunch. Which the Son of Man will give to you for on him, God the Father has set his seal. So they're like, okay. So then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? If we do the works of God, do we always get free lunch? That sounds good. So how do we do the works of God? I'm game. Jesus answered them, this is the work. 
Underline work. This is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. Do not work for food that perishes. Work. Work for the food that endures to eternal life. That endures, the word is zoe. Jesus says, I want to talk about this life. Work for the food that leads to life. How do we work for this life that, or this bread that leads to life? This is the work of God that leads to life that you believe in him whom he has sent. Have you ever noticed sometimes that believing takes work? It's work. It's work. We, we, we sometimes believe this lie, you know, when we talk about something like Zoe life in church. It's like there's this lie that's like that's going to be so like organic and like peaceful and like all the good feelings, right? Like Zoe life, that sounds awesome. It sounds like longer weekends, lattes, retirement, taking it easy, like Zoe life. I'm in for that. And Jesus says work. You got to work. It's going to take work to believe. This Zoe life, it's going to take some work. I wonder if anybody here this morning feels like you're working. I want to tell you this morning, I feel like I'm working. And I hope that's encouraging to some people. I'm working. And when we don't think that Zoe life takes work, what it turns into is when it feels like work, we think we're doing it wrong. Well, this, shouldn't, this must not be real because it feels like it's taking work. And I thought this was going to be Zoe. You know, like he said Zoe, like eternal life, like what I think about is pina coladas, you know, like <laughs> it feels like work. And so we assume we're wrong when it feels like work, but we're actually doing it right. This must not be it if it feels like I'm working, but I'm working this morning. And I want you to know that. I, I hope that encourages you. Like the good Christians who have it all together are not the ones where it just like flows, man. Like, they just happen to show up at church on time every week. And, oh, my gosh, like, their kids woke up and brushed their own teeth and wiped their own butts. And it was, like, so easy for them because they found Zoe life because they're the good Christians. So they got it all figured out. But I'm not not be a good Christian because I'm working. I'm having to work for this. Like, I've still got questions. I've, I've still got some, some, some unanswered questions. I'm working this morning. And I want you to know it's okay if you're working this morning. And it should feel like work this morning. I'm working. I, I'm believing God for some stuff. I'm believing some things Jesus has said that I'm not seeing my experience line up with quite yet. I'm believing God for some provision that I haven't seen yet. I'm believing God for some clarification on some things that I'm not real clear on yet. I'm believing God for some answers to some questions that I'm still holding on to. I'm working this morning. I'm believing God in a whole lot of ways that honestly it'd just be a whole lot easier to stop Working, quit, compromise, take a shortcut, leave it all behind. It's too much work, but it's work. Zoe takes work, and that's a good news. That's good news because it feels like work, and it leads to Zoe. Zoe takes work. It's work when Jesus doesn't line up with your feelings. It's work when Jesus doesn't line up with your preferences. It's work when he doesn't line up with your opinions, with your timing, hello, with your desires. Like, it takes work. If you're working, you're doing it right this morning. And I just want to encourage you. It's got nothing really to do with the bread other than I thought it might encourage some people. Because it encouraged me when Jesus says, do the work. Believe in me. You're okay if you're choosing to work this morning. Verse 31, or verse 30. 
So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What works do you perform? So they understand Jesus is saying that, uh, what's up, dude? Sorry, I just saw someone I haven't seen in forever. That's hilarious. Jesus is talking to them. And it's clear, they understand that he's saying, I'm, I'm what you need. And they're like, okay, we came to talk about lunch and now you're saying you're like God. <laughs> Big jump here. So they say, okay, so do some signs. Show us, prove it. Prove it that you're the one that God sends. They say, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread, bread. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. We get our second bread reference here. These people in their bread. Shout out carbs. So the Passover happens back in the day. They get set free. They take their bread. They eat. They have some meals. But then they get stuck in the wilderness for a long time and they have nothing to eat. And as you continue the, the narrative of Jesus setting his people free, it's the, the main part of the story is when God provides the stuff called manna. He would give this like wafer, bread-like substance that would appear on the ground every day for an entire nation for decades. And that's how God showed that he sees he hears, he knows, he comes, he delivers, he provides. You're not alone. You might be in the desert, but I'm with you. You might be hungry, but I'm with you. Here, let me provide for you. And they provide this manna. He provides this manna. And so the people are looking at Jesus and they're like, well, God did cool stuff like make bread out of nothing. If you're God, why don't you prove it? And one could logically connect some dots between what Jesus did yesterday to what they're asking for right now. But apparently they didn't. I mean, can you imagine these people ate a miracle yesterday and came to God again today saying, if you love me, prove it? Those guys. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives Zoe to the world. I'm not talking about unleavened bread. I'm not talking about manna. I'm talking about Zoe. The bread, the true bread from heaven gives Zoe to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread. I am the bread of Zoe. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. I am the bread. Wow. That first thought Jesus had when he saw the crowd, where will we buy bread? He's connecting it here the next day when he's telling the people, I, I, I am the bread. It's kind of like last week when Jesus said, I am the door. It's a weird thing for somebody to say they are. Usually be like, I can show you to the door. I am the door. He's, I'm, I'm not the baker. I'm not the one who gives bread. I am the bread. Skip down to verse 47. They have a whole conversation about a few different things. And one of the things that they talk about, actually, I think I skipped this in my notes, but we'll talk about it anyways. In verse 41, uh, it says, so the Jews grumbled about him because he, said, because, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? 
Like, we know this dude. Like, what's so special about him? They had this familiarity thing that they couldn't get past. And we'll come back to that a little bit later. But we'll skip down to verse 47. Jesus continues this dialogue. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has Zoe. I am the bread of Zoe. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This, me, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give, and the bread that I will give is for the Zoe of the world. It is my flesh. The Passover is at hand. The bread I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Like I keep saying, this conversation turned heavy real fast. They did not anticipate all of this. So he starts talking about, I am the bread. If you eat of me, you'll never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty. Come to me. I won't turn anybody away. I came down from heaven. I'm going to give my flesh for the life of the world. And in verse 52, again, they respond logically. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Fair question. They're like, this is weird, man. Like, we thought you were going to give us free sandwiches again, and now you're literally standing there telling me to eat you. <laughs> 53, Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you. You would expect Jesus will give some clarifying thought here. But he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink the blood you have no Zoe in you. Jesus is not here to grow his church on this particular day. Skip to verse 60. It says, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? If that's your thought this morning, if you're lost, you're in the right boat. Like, you're right there in the Bible. I, just, I wish this old crusty thing would be relevant sometimes. You know, it's like, man, I just don't see myself in here. I mean, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Jesus says some hard stuff. Jesus said some stuff I don't understand. This is hard. Who can listen to it? If you skip, uh, or verse 61, but Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples are grumbling about this, he said to them, here, let me clarify. Oh, no. He says, what? You take offense at this? You offended? Verse 66. Yeah. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Anybody else love like the food shows and documentaries and stuff on Netflix? Like Chef's Table, anybody? Oh man, I love that stuff. Me and my wife love that stuff. I want to talk about that for just a second and, and kind of give an analogy here that I think is relevant to what we're reading that's helping me understand what's going on here that Jesus says and what he wants us to hear this morning. When you look at, into the restaurant industry, the highest award you can get is what's called a Michelin star. We don't have any Michelin star restaurants in Indy, so I wish I could recommend it, but I can't. Anyways, so I want you to imagine right now, you're, you're going out to this restaurant with your friends, a Michelin star restaurant, a restaurant that has received the highest award on the planet that a restaurant can get. I want you to imagine going out to this restaurant with your best friends, having a great time, seeing the great food, 
Hearing the sizzle of the great food, smelling the great food, talking about the great food, but never actually eating the great food. You experience kind of all of it, but you don't actually eat it. And so, and, and when you don't actually eat it, imagine you don't actually eat it not understanding that actually eating it was the whole point. So you leave thinking you, you kind of did the thing, right? Like, I did the Michelin star restaurant deal. I didn't know, you, didn't, you don't know you, that you missed the main point. So, so, so you do that, and, and then you leave. So, so you go in hungry, right? You go into the Michelin star restaurant hungry. You, you see the food. You smell the food. You talk about the food, but you don't actually eat the food, so then you leave hungry. You came hungry, so you go to a Michelin star restaurant. You leave hungry thinking you fully participated in what this Michelin star restaurant is all about, but you walk away hungry. You walk away frustrated. You walk away thinking, that restaurant really wasn't any good. There were some good things about it, maybe, but it was not really that good. I, I don't understand what's so great about all this food. <laughs> I, and, and of course, you'd, st- you'd be hangry, anybody? <laughs> now I'm not just hungry, I'm hangry. So, of course, like my, your thoughts start snowballing real fast and just wrap everything else up, too. Like, and by the way, the service was terrible. The people weren't even nice. The seats weren't even comfortable. I don't even understand why people need Michelin star restaurants. What's all the hype about? I I went, I did the thing. I don't see what the big deal is or why anybody needs these things anyways. So you leave and on the way home, you're still hungry, right? And how many of you know that when you're hungry, eventually you eat? So eventually you'll get hungry enough that you'll just stop at whatever you can get your hands on. You leave the Michelin star restaurant and on the way home, you stop and snag some fast food because it's what I can get my hands on. And now I'm like, it's time to eat now. Where you find yourself is at the end of this evening, this Michelin star restaurant evening, it ends with you on the couch pounding fast food. While in between bites, criticizing to your friends Michelin star restaurants. Their food, their chefs, their standards and rules, their food critics, and really just the whole food industry as a whole. I mean, who are all these people to tell me what good food is anyways? Who, who are you to tell me what I like and what I don't like? Times have changed. There's more than one way to get a good meal and be perfectly happy. I mean, look at me. I believe this analogy is an all too accurate description of the people that Jesus is talking to in John chapter 6. I believe it is too accurate a description of so many Christians today. So much of the church today, so much of our culture today, people familiar enough with Jesus to assume they know who he really is, close enough to see him and make some observations, make some judgments, make some assumptions about what he's really like. They're in enough environments, they they sort of catch a whiff of what Jesus is all about And it gives them something to talk about. So many people snacking on the miracles, snacking on the things God can do, snacking on the tidbits that I like and don't like, yet so few people eating the main dish that actually leads to Zoe. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no Zoe in you. John chapter 6, they knew Him. They knew his parents. They knew where he came from. Some of them probably went to school with him. They they ate the bread yesterday, the miracle, 
five loaves, two fish, five thousand, like they were there. Verse 66 tells us some of these people were even his disciples. Like they walked with him. They talked with him. They were mentored by him. They were corrected by him. They had him speak into situations in their life. They probably camped out together. They walked through cities together. They were his disciples, but, but they walked away. They walked away. And, and I just start thinking about what these people walked away to. Like what, what would have happened as a result of them walking away? I, I think it would probably be logical to assume that some of these people walked away, started talking to their friends about this Jesus guy who thinks he's something talking to their friends, writing some blogs, speaking at conferences, publishing books, putting out podcasts, making social media posts. No, 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 no. I've been there. I, no, I talked to that guy. It's not really, he's not really anything. I've been there. I've seen him do his thing. We've walked before. We actually talked before. Like, I know him. He's not, he's not who he says he is. You don't need to eat him. That's weird anyways, first of all. And like, if God was good, like he said some things that were kind of offensive and if God was so good, like he wouldn't have made me feel the way he made me feel when he said some of the things that he said. And like he didn't do that one miracle. Like I know he fed 5,000, but there was this other miracle that I needed that he didn't really do on my time. So I don't really know about all this anyways. He didn't really give me the miracle I wanted. So I'm just kind of questioning all of this stuff anyways and a good God wouldn't do that. And I mean, by the way, who needs church? Like I've done there, I've been there, I've been in that before. I've done the church thing takes work. Trust me, I, I know the people who go to church. They're all hypocrites anyways. Who are they to tell me how to live? Times have changed. Times have changed. We can do whatever we want and be happy. I mean, look at me. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no zoe in you. I believe it's a hard word today like it was in John 6. We're just reading the Bible and talking about what it says. If you're here for church, if you're here for religion, if you're hanging around for the sights and sounds and smells, the people in the good vibes and the encouragements, you are always welcome here. We love you. God loves you more than you can ever ask or imagine, but let me help you out by giving you a spoiler alert so that when it happens, you at least don't think we lied to you. This won't satisfy. Sights and smells don't fill your belly. We are all hungry for Zoe, and the only way to have it is to eat the bread. I believe God spoke to us to do this series because every single one of us needs a wake-up call in our own way. Whether you're here and you like, haven't stepped in church in forever, or whether you've been walking with God for 150 years, we all need a wake-up call. Truly, truly, Jesus says to us, unless we eat his flesh and drink his blood, there is no Zoe in you. I know they're coming up. They're, they're giving me the cue. I know. Focus. And we've got to eat Jesus if we want Zoe. And I'm just going to point out one particular way that I want to just try to give us an encouragement, set a fire in us. I know we can't have all the conversations about it today. I'm going to say something really controversial here in about three seconds. If there's one way that you want to ingest Jesus, get ready for this. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. 
I know it's not like the only way to connect with God and there's so many questions that people ask and like, what about some of the seeming contradictions and how did we even get it and all that kind of stuff. And I get it. And those are good conversations to have at the right time in the right place. We can't do it all today. But even when we have those conversations, I wanna tell you at some point, this will come down to the work of believing. You can get all the answers you want. At some point, you've gotta decide if it's worth the work of believing. And when I say read your Bible, what I really mean is eat your Bible. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. One way you can eat Jesus is by eating your Bible. Don't just glance at it. Don't just read it. Don't just pick the parts you like. Let it go in. Digest it. Jesus says, love me with your whole mind, soul, and strength. Think about it. Let it turn in you. We've got to ingest this thing so that we get nourished on the inside, so that we get transformed on the inside, so that we become what we eat. And I know that this is like one of those things like, oh my gosh, like I've read the Bible, I've done the thing, but I just want to encourage you, like don't give up. Like you haven't given up on eating just because you get hungry every day. Like so many people, we're walking away from God because he said something we don't understand because it's like, I'm ready. He said to eat his flesh and drink his blood. I don't get it. I'm out. You know, it's like, are there any married men in the room this, this morning? Let me see some hands. Let me see some hands. Married men in the room. Okay. Keep your hand up if your wife has ever said or done something that you didn't fully understand. Okay. That doesn't mean you just walk out. Why would you just walk out? Like, this isn't some like religion, like that, that this is like some religion, religious hoop to jump through. This is a relationship that God has invited you into. An eternal relationship that is the life you're made for. Don't walk out just because you haven't gotten the eternal revelation of Jesus today. That's the whole point. Isn't that what makes marriage awesome? It's like, I don't walk out, I dig in. I, I, I I'm gonna try to understand. I'm gonna try to listen. I'm gonna try to learn. And if I've learned anything, even if I don't fully understand what you just said, you're probably right anyways. Come on guys, like it's funny and it's like, what? Yes. Don't turn away from your Bible. You have to have this. You have to have this in you, transforming you, sustaining you, nourishing you. One hero of mine, he said, he, he, you know, there he's like, people ask me like, why should I read my Bible? Like, I don't always remember what it says. Is it even worth it? Like, is that really, is that authentic and organic if I read it and don't remember everything he says? And he's like, do you remember what you had for lunch six weeks ago, Tuesday? Still nourished you. Like all of these things that sound so good on the surface for why you should walk away from God, why you should go do your own thing, why you should stop on the way home for fast food, they make no sense. Of course you don't understand God and everything he says in the Bible. Of course. That's like, yeah. You gotta do the work of believing either he's God or I am. If he is, then I'm not gonna fully understand this thing. You know, like this is a lifelong, eternity long relationship that God has invited you into. Second Timothy three, verses 16 and 17 says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete 
complete, competent. I thought I was gonna say complete, either one, competent or complete. Equipped for every good work. Can I tell you how you know if you're reading the Bible right? Go back to verse 16 for a second. It's not when it all makes sense. It's not when you get all the answers right away. It's not when everything you read makes you comfortable. It's when when you start reading the word of God, it starts uh, teaching you. If you learn some things, if you get reproofed, if you get corrected, you get corrected, you're reading it right. If you feel trained in righteousness, it spurs you on to do the things of God, which means you get really uncomfortable and convicted when you're not doing the things of God. That's how you know you're reading it right. Like it, it, That's the work of believing. It's the work of believing. People have lied to too many people and told you this should make perfect sense. If you give your life to Jesus, you'll have all the answers. Just read your Bible and God will make great sense. He said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. I don't get that other than let's do it. That's, that's it. Apparently we should eat Jesus. We should drink the blood of Jesus. And that leads to Zoe. And I don't understand that at all but I believe it and I'm in and we've got to have it. And I'll tell you, it leads to Zoe. I will tell you this morning, I don't know much, but truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, there is no Zoe in you. What you're hungry for, you will not find. You will not have, you will not discover. You will not be enlightened into. You will not be freed into by throwing off all of the uh, and doing whatever you want. Eat Jesus. And at least to Zoe. Go ahead and stand this morning. That's my practical encouragement for you in your life. And for us as a church, like we've talked about, we had a different series planned for this month and God kind of hijacked our plans because I think God is sounding an alarm for every single one of us. A wake up call to his church, to us in this room, to us in our relationships, to us in our hearts saying, are you alive? Are you just breathing or are you alive? And I know that for me, I need another wake up call. I need God to come into my life and highlight some things that I'm eating that aren't leading to life. I need, to hi- I need God to highlight some things in my life that I'm discouraged by, that I'm disenchanted by, that I'm pushed away by, that really I think I have a right to be, but I don't because I just need to dig into God. And I wanna invite you this morning. I don't know what you have to respond to. Like I said, it's not like some, oh here, real practical thing. Like, I just wanna invite you to eat Jesus. I wanna invite you to say, God, I need your flesh, I need your blood, I need your word, I need you inside of me. We're gonna have our prayer team come up to the front just like we do every week. And if you're here this morning, you need prayer for anything in your life, please don't leave without getting the prayer that you need. If you're here this morning and you know I am not alive, I am hungry for Zoe, and I wanna know more about Jesus leading me to life, come talk to somebody in the prayer team. Talk to the person who brought you this morning. Don't leave without taking your next step. Every single one of us has a next step. And I just want all of us to choose right now to surrender again and say, you know what, Jesus? Yes, I'm kind of offended. (laughs) I'm kind of offended that you would tell me to eat you and drink you. I'm kind of offended that I didn't get anything really practical at church to walk away from. I'm kind of offended, but I won't walk away. 
the rest of the story, Jesus turns to Peter. He says, are you gonna leave too? You're gonna leave too? The door's open, you, you can leave too if you want to. Peter looks at him and basically says, I have no idea what you're talking about. All I know is you alone have the words of Zoe. He said, this we have believed and come to know. If we can be those people, God can do anything. Jesus, we love you and we welcome you into our lives, God. And we ask you that you would come right now, Holy Spirit, and teach us. Teach us how to surrender to your word. Lord, I'm asking right now that you'd set a fire in our hearts for the word of God. That we would be people rooted and grounded, corrected, trained, equipped by the word of the living God. Lord, I'm asking for every single one of us here this morning, if there's anybody here who hasn't come to you, doesn't know you, Lord, I'm asking Holy Spirit that you would pull them just hard enough to make it impossible to leave. I'm praying for every single one of us who needs a miracle this morning, that you would teach us to come to you and believe you, God. We stand before you this morning saying, Lord, we don't understand it all, but you alone have the words of life. We will praise you. We will worship you. We will surrender and give you our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.